Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Good morning and welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We are live here just outside of Seattle. And of course, we know people are listening from around the world and we so appreciate your desire to be here and to participate in this fun evolution of awareness. As you know, one of my favorite things to do on the radio um, is to interview other people who I believe are on the leading edge of thought. And today is one of those days, a very exciting interview uh, I was telling our guest that I could be, I could talk to him all day long, maybe have some breaks with tea and a nap. Um, but there's a, a wonderful new book that is now available. It's called Quantum Spirituality. It is by Peter Canova. He's a spiritual philosopher, linguistic historian, and author of award-winning First Souls Trilogy, which is a fiction book. And the Quantum Spirituality book is his first non-fiction book, which is very exciting. It approaches the multi- universe theory through the twin lens of quantum physics and ancient spiritual wisdom. And of course, this first and is the latest book, um, Quantum Spirituality. So welcome to the show. So lovely to have you here, Peter. It's nice to be with you today. Yeah, it's really lovely. Um, As I've been reading your book, you know, you talk about how that, you know, you're not exceptional or gifted, which I disagree 100%, despite some of your experiences. But what you also write is in the book, and I'm, of course, paraphrasing, no matter what level of consciousness or belief system you occupy in this lifetime, this story will provide a framework to formulate your own path of spiritual growth, which is amazing and so incredibly true. And, you know, this is what we want our new thought leaders or expressors or whatever we want to, you know, whatever people want to call themselves to really pass on to humanity that everyone is multisensory and learning to turn off our brain or the logical mind, which you like to, you like to bring it all together, uh, which is exciting and fun because it helps people to understand from that logical perspective as I open up to the multisensory world that we are all really naturally gifted and talented and, um, our consciousness is a part of the multi-universe. So in your book, you describe your very first experience as a medical intuitive. Do you mind sharing, you know, this experience? Sure. So um, long ago and far away, when I was in my 20s, uh, I was attending a, um, a course on what was called ESP back then. It's kind of term that's fallen out of use, extrasensory perception. But essentially what it really boiled down to was trying to help people uh, get in touch with their intuitive side. And uh, on the very last day, we did an exercise uh, of, of medical intuition. And what it consisted of was people pairing off and one person would have an index card with the uh, information of somebody who had a problem. Um, a lot of people have gone through this course, so they built up quite a file. And the person who was uh, reading from the card was only able to give you the name, age, and address. They could not give you any other information. And in your responses, 
uh, they were allowed, if you, if you got something right, they were allowed to say that's correct. If you got something wrong, they always had to respond. We don't have that information here. They would never say, ah, oh, that's wrong. You're way off base, you know, because <laughs> that, that kind of throws cold water on everything on a, on a, on a kind of delicate process to begin with. So, um, the very first case I did was an elderly gentleman in Miami and they gave me his name, age and address. And, um, I, uh, saw in my mind's eye his heart and it was tilted at kind of a funny angle which was causing the aorta leading to the heart to be pinched off and uh, i i said well i believe this gentleman has a blockage in his aorta and they said that's correct um what else can you tell us and i saw something that felt metallic down at the bottom part of his heart it didn't feel like it was organic or part of his heart so to me that indicated a pacemaker and i said well i believe he's had a pacemaker installed and they said that's correct what year was the pacemaker installed so I saw um, the hands of a clock just moving furiously like this, and all of a sudden it stopped right at 10 o'clock, which indicated to me 10 years prior. So I said, and this is where I'm going to date myself, I said, well, he had the pacemaker installed in 1965, and they said that's correct. So, um, you know, I went on to accurately diagnose a whole bunch of other cases. And when I started to get over the disbelief of what I was doing, um, it opened up a whole floodgate of experiences. I mean, remote viewing, um, psychometry, uh, clairvoyance, clairaudience. I mean, I was literally getting bombarded with information from the other side. I, I was like an open channel, probably too open, too much um, like a sponge. <clears throat> it wasn't really actually very healthy in some ways for some period of time, but I learned to manage manage it. And uh, then... I started, I, you know, the, the, the left brain part of me started saying, well, you know, you're a Capricorn. What's the nuts and bolts behind this? I, I wanted to really know what was the kind of the, you know, the mechanics, the clockwork behind these kind of experiences. So I started studying uh, mystical traditions and eventually it led me to the field of quantum physics. And the nexus there is that both ancient spiritual traditions and quantum physics essentially dealt with the same subject matter, which is light energy and matter, the nature of light energy and matter. So that's how they, you know, that, that's kind of how they intersected for me. And then I made really a kind of a lifelong study of, of both of those things and ended up writing uh, a series of fictional novels, uh, which did very well. And then I, as you said, today, I wrote my first um, uh, nonfiction book, which was actually the research, the, the 35 years of research that went into the uh, fictional trilogy. Oh, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. One of the things I love about quantum physics is it really supports spirituality. I mean, in every way, shape or form. So they really are married, you know, in a delicious recipe that can allow for success for us as a planet, you know, and us as individual people moving um, so beautifully in our life. Throughout the book, um, you know, you give instructions even at, at the very beginning, because you you want your book to help people to um, to grow and expand and to feel that they're more in, in a co-creative dance with their reality than they may realize. And you talk about subatomic particles, which is really, I'm in love with subatomic particles. I have been all my life, actually. And you are a subatomic particle. Right, it's so true. You should it's love true. them. It's true. I just love them so much. You know, everything, as you said, is subatomic particles. Everything is energy. But you talk in your book how People tend to pay attention to the 1% of the material aspect, you know, 
that is part of our experience here in this third dimensional space. And we ignore the 99% of the active molecular exchange that is actually creating our reality. Could you, you know, elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, well, as far as the atom is concerned, um, you know, only 1% of it is mass or matter. The other 99% is light energy in space. And as I said, you know, we're fixated on the um, on the 1% and we seem to um, be relatively ignorant of the um, the energetic character of our existence. Uh, you could also say the spiritual character. I kind of use spirit and energy interchangeably. So, uh, you know, we we really tend to concentrate and science in particular does uh, on the um you know what's what's visible what's testable what's observable what's available to the five senses but that is just the tip of the iceberg because those things are all uh formations they come from a much deeper base or platform uh that you know we we don't see and and that is um the fact that an intelligent energy permeates creation and we are essentially the recipients of the information of that intelligent energy Right. It's it's inside of us. You know, anything we would ever want to know or understand or explore already exists. You know, all the information we could possibly imagine or desire already exists. And uh, one of the things about your book is that you're helping people to understand that and to gravitate towards that knowledge and to um, begin to explore it for themselves. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I, as a matter of fact, I always say that uh, knowledge isn't so much things that we learn is as much things that we remember. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, because I really do believe that the, you know, the pattern of all this um, information, for instance, the fact that we we're talking over a computer right now and I see you and you see me, or at least I see an apparition of you and you see an apparition of me, um, you know, that's all done at uh, an unseen level. And uh, the, that's really the way existence works. I mean, the fact that we even invented computers is because the universe and creation operates essentially like a giant computer so what we've done is essentially we've just tapped into something the blueprint of which already exists right and it shows that humanity's consciousness is expanding we need more information so that we can continue to expand and so now we have you know mass technology throughout the world uh so you also talk about how we're living in a simulated matrix um like a holographic illusion which I agree. I think everything's based on perception. You know, you change your perception, you change your reality, you change your experience. But perhaps you could explain a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, well, there's a lot of indications that we live in a in a, in a simulation or, or, you know, a kind of a virtual world. I mean, just the fact that, um, you know, uh, we appear, or we think of ourselves as solid creatures in a 3D world of solid objects. But we know that there is no solidity to these objects because, as we discussed, everything is based on subatomic particles, which are constantly moving around and in motion and are really, really not solid. So the mystery is how does something unsolid and invisible give rise to a perception of something that seems solid and visible? Um, right, right there, you see a little bit of an indication that maybe there's some form of uh, illusion going on. And, um, you know, the scientists, uh, this whole holographic theory kind of, um, you know, built up over a period of time as a result of uh, different observations. So there's something in the quantum world called quantum, uh, quantum entanglement. And entanglement is essentially the fact that 
uh, two particles, which can be the equivalent of millions of light years apart, react instantaneously to one another. So, for instance, if there's a version of you on Mars and a version of you here on Earth, and I pinch the Earth version and the Mars version says, ouch, at the exact same moment, how does that, how does that happen? You know, I mean, what, what, what explains the phenomena of something that communicates with one another, perhaps faster than the speed of light, uh, or it's certainly at the speed of light. Um, but, um, you know, they, they started thinking, well, you know, maybe the fact that um, these, these connections occur over these vast distances, maybe that just means that it's all kind of one picture or one hologram. And uh, we're, we're just looking at different localized parts of it at different times, but that it's really all kind of connected in this kind of holographic, uh, holographic projection. And, you know, the thing about holograms is that you can take any little portion of a hologram and you can slice it and dice it in any way you want. But each minute piece of that hologram contains the image of the whole. That's how a hologram works. So they, they, they started thinking, well, you know, maybe this is the way the universe works to explain some of these phenomena like uh, quantum entanglement. Um, and then it, it actually uh, went several steps further and got very interesting when they started studying black holes. Um, because what they, what they found out was that, um, and this is hard to grasp, so I often have to give an analogy for people to really understand it. But the information inside of a black hole that makes a black hole what it is because everything is a matter of information we're, we're we're all literally a bunch of walking algorithms of information and uh and you would think that uh everything that describes a black hole is inside the black hole the volume of the black hole but what they found out is that that's not true the information in a black hole is actually contained on the outside of the black hole in an event horizon, and it's projected inward. So the analogy I use to make this more understandable to people is imagine there's a bucket, and you would, and, and say the bucket is our universe, and all the information about our universe, the Earth, us, and everything else, you know, it, it, at least it appears to be inside that bucket. Now you would think, okay, well, the, the volume, the inside of the bucket is where all this stuff happens. But what we're learning is, no, it's not. It's actually on the outside skin of the bucket yeah. in two dimensions, and it's projected inward yeah. as if it's a 3D appearance. So yeah. we're getting all these hints that that what we think of, we may be kind of like, if you remember the old Star Trek series where they used to go to a holodeck and, and they used to be able to project themselves into any situation or environment, it was very, very real. And in fact, they, they, they could actually immerse themselves in this and feel that they were part of it. This is like something like what we may be experiencing, actually. Yeah, you know, the way I look at black holes, and they're vast, you know, they're huge, is they're really a portal of nothingness, you know, and everything exists within the nothingness. And so that's why when you're in this expansion, where, you know, of emptiness, if you will, but there's, it's really not empty, that you see through the membrane of this beautiful tunnel of, um, of delight and expertise and surprise and wonder and, and beyond anything we could possibly imagine that then information starts to seep through the device or the energy that is um has been created yeah um, and an, another interesting way to look at black holes is that they contain so much information they literally collapse in on themselves ooh, and, and, su and, and suck in everything around it so maybe black holes are a super consciousness in a way yeah, whatever's inside true. the black holes it, i've it, always it, been very attracted to them yeah, I, yeah. 
Yeah, no, that, that's a really cool way, a super consciousness. So literally they actually do kind of collapse on themselves. I mean, it, that's something scientifically has been noted. Eventually they evaporate. That's incredible. Wow. It, it, it's almost like they're portals in a way, you know, like they open up somewhere in the universe and, you know, maybe something or someone or some being of energy that we don't know yet in our consciousness. Yeah, I, I, I often thought they, they, they theorize something called white holes, which is the opposite of a black hole, whereas black holes suck everything in, white holes spew everything out. So it could very well be that a black hole in this dimension is a white hole in another dimension. Now, that it's, it's, so I, that's just a speculation that I've kind of always had kicking around in the back of my mind, but it keeps coming up. It. So maybe it's true. I think it's true. I really do. I think it's absolutely true. And and you just really shared with us what happens to an individual when they allow themselves to open up to the consciousness that um, is available to us beyond this 1% focus on the material world. There's so much for us to know. There's so much for us to explore. And we've, we're barely touching the tip of the iceberg, but as humanity awakens, like reading the information in your book, which is truly your desire, that's what you truly want is for the human race too. I mean, not that you're invested in it, but you would love for individuals to have an awareness beyond the limitations that scare the gajibis out of them and get them trapped in um, painful experiences that are just part of a very low vibration of energy, that raising their vibration and being and holding that vibration into a frequency that allows them to have all kinds of magnificent awarenesses. And this book allows that to happen for individuals that it, it, in a way it is a portal. Um, well, the, the way the way I put it in the book is I'm, what I'm trying to do is provide a basis of information for people and connect a lot of dots, uh, both, you know, the right brain and the left brain, uh, you know, so that I try to bring both um, faith and science and mysticism uh, and uh, psychology and a bunch of disciplines together and show their connections, how they're pointing towards the same, uh, you know, cosmic messages uh, for us to uh, learn. And the the reason I wrote it is I think I stated right up on the front of the book is, you know, do you want to live in the basement or do you want to live in the penthouse? <laughs> yeah. and, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, when you, um, if you're living, living with limited beliefs, you're kind of, you know, cutting off a lot of things and living in the basement of life. Whereas the more you uh, have experiences with higher consciousness and awaken yourself to a higher vibration where you can have experiences that can help guide your life onto better paths, then you start living in the penthouse and you see the full panorama of life. Agreed. And this is just such a beautiful message that needs to be expressed with as many people as possible so that humanity can soak it in and recognize that they are creating their reality. And if they change their vibration, they can have a completely different experience regardless of their surroundings at this moment. It's, yeah. it's incredible. I mean, and once we get enough people tipping, you know, the scales to a place of co-creative awareness and knowledge, then we can end things like war or prevent it very, very quickly. You, you know, I, I mean, when we talk like that, it sounds so idealistic, I guess, and, you know, abstract to people. But I can tell you honestly that since I tuned into this and I, I, I viewed myself as a person who was sort of like in front of a radio trying to, you know, tune it perpetually. And finally, I got on a channel and it started coming through and I realized it was there 24-7. It's just that I needed to attune to it. And once I did... 
I will tell you honestly, and I think I cited examples in the book where it, it saved my life and it got me out of occasions that I probably shouldn't have been able to get out of, you know, almost kind of in a, in a miraculous sort of way. So um, it's not new age, airy fairy stuff. Uh, I'm not like that, incidentally. I mean, sometimes I go, I, had, I hate to say, but sometimes I go to these events and everything else and I hear a lot of stuff there and I know it's well-intentioned. But, you know, you have to really sort of take it on faith and you have to, most people have to really stretch their imagination. With me, I, you see, I I approach things both, I'm bi-brained, I, I approach things both from the, you know, the logical perspective side and from the intuitive side, because I think both of them working hand in hand is much more powerful. And so, um, you know, when I write things, I, I I don't use a lot of new age platitudes and stuff. And if I talk about things like co-creation, I explain what that is and how it works. I don't just say, yeah, you know, you're a co-creator. You can do, sit around and think about money and a pot will appear on your doorstep. You know, that's uh, that's that's just not the way I approach things. So what I'm trying to convey to everybody is that there's a very practical, applicable side to all this. And this is what I try to convey in the book of how this works. Right. And you do have an audience of people who, you know, study spirituality, believe in the balance of science. I was an oncology nurse before I actually um, worked in the healing energy medicine world. So you have the right audience, actually, but we may be just a little bit more in the vibrational um, joy of it all as well um, as it goes. So you write also about the sacred feminine. You know, you talk about how the feminine principle um, and mysticism is actually part of the movement into these new areas of consciousness. Yeah, very much so. I mean, um, you know that Carl Jung, the famous psychologist, observed that within each of us, we have both what are called male and female characteristics. Um, and this is not to get into the gender movement at all. It's got nothing to do with that. What that really means is yeah, we have, you know, the, the bi brain, we have the logical intuitive side, uh, we have the logical side and the analytical side, and then we have the intuitive and the feeling side. And they were generally characterized in ancient times as male and female in modern times, we call them left and right brain or whatever. But essentially, uh, the intuitive female approach, the kind of heart based approach to understanding life has been submerged for a few thousand years now. We, we've lived in a patriarchal society. And in fact, um, one of the books in my trilogy um, dealt with this starting from the time of, of Jesus and how uh, the mystical female figures of the early church like Mary Magdalene were suppressed. And uh, along with that suppression, I think we really lost a lot. And particularly in the Western world, you know, we, we, we lost a sense of, of a higher purpose. We lost a sense of a higher self uh, to help uh, guide us. And I think that that's coming around full circle again. I mean, I know that when I used to go to these um, sort of spiritual events and everything years ago, there would be 299 women in the room and me. <laughs> and, and, and now if I go to the same type of things, it's almost like 50-50. So, uh, so, you know, I, I mean, to me, that's okay. a little bit of a, of a sign there that people are, you know, awakening to other parts of themselves, that we're becoming more actuated, complex beings in the way that Jung described when he said, you know, because when, when the two work together, 
the, magic. The, it's power. And in Jesus, back in the Gnostic in the Gnostic gospel, said the same thing. He said, when the male becomes the female and the female becomes the male and the two become as one, then will you realize the kingdom of heaven and move mountains? Yes. Because we're just meant to be balanced in these energies. You know, not yeah. one is supposed to be more uh obvious than the other. They're supposed to work together, you know, in collaboration. And, yes. and then and it's just energy. You write in here that when we start to move into this these female orientations, there'll be less emphasis on violence and more on coexistence, harmony with land and nature, consensus rule of governance, which is lovely, lack of hierarchies, um, goddess worship, and prestige from contribution, not conquest. Yeah, those were characteristics of some of the uh, matriarchal societies uh, prior to, let's say, like 3000 BC, when, you know, we, we for instance, Egypt was uh, not only matriarchal, but matrilineal, which meant that what meant that females ruled at that time, um, that switched around for a lot of historical reasons that we don't, we won't go into right now. Those are characteristics. I've had, I've had full visions of times on earth when women ruled. So, um, yeah, so we, we can always talk about it, you know, I, we don't have to, of course, but uh, yeah, it, it really did exist, even though it's not in our actual real history, um, or whatever that might mean, it actually was a time in reality that it existed. So congratulations as well, because Quantum Spirituality has won three titles in the 2023 National Best Book Awards. And um, so congratulations, I'm so happy for you. It's wonderful. Yeah, thank you. That was the uh, first um first award uh we, we've entered into a number right the publisher put the book into a number of award competitions this was the first one and it, it actually won in four categories finalist in one category winner in three other categories which was really pretty phenomenal um actually uh the trilogy that i mentioned before has already run 25 national and international book awards so uh we're starting to push 30 awards now which is you know pretty it's, it's really nice. <laughs> it's amazing. Congratulations. We are so excited about your new book, Quantum Spirituality. I know, you know, there are certain books on the planet that you could read over and over again, or kind of skim through, and your energy will stop at something that can reignite the vibration that was meant to be part of the right written material. And I think your book is one of those books that people could you know, skim and read for decades and allow the magic for each person, you know, their own individual needs and desires for it to jump through and kind of recalibrate their particle mass to realign themselves back into what they really want and what they really want to experience in the truth of, you know, the multi universe. So thank you so much for writing this amazing book. Well, thank you. I, I would really encourage your listeners to go to my website, uh, petercanova.com. That's P-E-T-E-R-C-A-N-O-V-A.com. Uh, there's information about the book, Quantum Spirituality and the Trilogy, as well as a portal to my own podcast called Quantum Spirituality. And I actually, I'm just in the process right now of writing a really interesting article for several publications about information theory and about how information is really the, the one of the fundamental thing that directs the universe. Uh, so um, yeah, if you go to that website, you can find out all about these things. Great. Thank you, Peter, so much for being on the show and wish you continued success in all of your writings. And uh, thank you again for being here. Thanks very much. Nice to be with you. Yes, it was lovely. And we'll take a break here on the Marie Menu Cherry Show. We'll be right back. If you want to know how to get in touch with Marie or find out what's on her calendar, there's a variety of ways to do so. You could become Marie's friend on Facebook or even follow her on Twitter. 
Check out Marie's website. There's tons of new features like Chakra of the Month, a live Twitter feed, and three PDFs with extensive exercises for your chakras. You can also sign up for Marie's free quarterly newsletter and also get your questions answered in her Dear Marie column. Simply email Marie your question and she will answer it in an upcoming edition. Marie also will be speaking and signing books. Find out if she'll be in your area on her events page at energyintuitive.com. How can Marie Manucheri help you create a better life? Check out her events page and attend a workshop. Working with Marie is a life-changing experience. If you want to find an effective way to make significant improvements in your life, sign up for a class today at energyintuitive.com. And welcome back to Marie Manucheri Show. We're live here. I'm just uh, in the Bothell area and Jen and Ben, Benny are in the studio taking care of everything for us, uh, which we're thrilled about. So uh, we just finished our interview and now we're going to take questions and take lots of questions. But I just want to point out a couple of things. I just finished my very first module on my new class about multi-sensory mediumship on the shift network. It was incredible. You can still register for this class. Go to energyintuitive.com course page. You can see the course and follow the links. All the courses are recorded. You can join us live or you can, um, you know, listen to them later if you like. It was amazing. We had so much fun. Yeah. Marie is at your disposal. Yeah, well, I really am. Yeah. I truly am. It's the best part yeah. of it. All right. And uh, we're going to start taking those calls and let's uh, start out with Amy calling in from San Diego. Hi, Amy. Hi, Vinny. Hi, um, Marie. That was a great interview. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much. What can I do for you? I'm in the basement, as Peter said it in life. (laughs) I need to make a good decision about taking a plant-powered certification course. And it's a $5,000 investment. It begins in January. I put my application in. And part of me hesitates. Do I need to learn anymore? Do I need to just finally get out and do it? And to put the final thought on it is, you know, I probably have leaky gut, and I really don't look the part of health. And I think that's why (laughs) for years. Yeah, well, I mean, probably the majority of the people on the planet have leaky gut, (laughs) seriously. And I I really think part of our job is just to continue to take good care of our guts. Like one of the things I stopped doing was eating refined sugar like many months ago. But yesterday was my oldest granddaughter's birthday. And uh, I went to her house for dinner. And of course they provided me with a gluten-free, very delicious chocolate cupcake, which I proceeded to devour. Uh, (laughs) Not the best thing for my gut, but you know, I'll take lots of probiotics and eat lots of green things. So I I think you're being too hard on yourself. And sometimes our personal experiences can be really effective for helping other people. My time working in the hospital, even though I wasn't a patient there, really helped me to understand how to work with people when they have serious illnesses and the fear and what modern medicine provides. It was very efficient. So my question to you about this plant-based program um, or about you choosing it or not, is this what you love? You love plant-based medicine? You know, I really love the whole plant-based movement. I, uh-huh. I love food. I'm a certified health coach, but I haven't done anything with it. So, you know, go figure. Uh-huh. But I just, yeah, I really want people to understand the diversity of, of a rainbow diet and whole plant and microbes and, you know, making a big happy family in the belly and, you know, using food as, as um, nourishment. And, you know, I, I don't know how else to say it. 
No, it, so your energy rose as you're talking from your own experience and your own love and your own beliefs. I think you should temporarily table the plant-based course that you want to take. I think you should work on developing your practice. I think you're ready. I think you've already loved food. You already understand it. I think you have an intuitive relationship with it. I think you need to work on your self-worth. That's really the issue here. You need to mm -hmm. spend more time in your self-love and your self-worth and, and build your practice. And then if you feel a joyful delight in participating in this class, then I would sign up for it then. But I think you'll be more successful overall, whether you take the class or not, uh, if you work on your self-worth and your self-love. And if you do that before you take the class, it will be more beneficial for you. Yeah, so where's my self-worth going to come from? Do you have any uh, uh, thing you want to share with me on a course or something I could do? Yeah, well, it has to come from yourself. You know, like self-worth and self-love is an internal energetic relationship with yourself. Um, I just finished a weekend self-love workshop in person. It was incredible. I was, and we're going to teach another one in the fall of next year. But if we get enough interest, we'll teach more. Um uh, we'll teach more. And uh, we also are doing um, for people to sign up for like my new podcast, it's coming up, which we'll be talking about. And for other subscribing things to the podcast, I'm going to be giving away free uh, hypnosis. And one of them that we will be offering at some point is about self love. So I would work on like maybe get some books on inner children healing. I would do a lot of positive what if questions, like what if I fell madly in love with me? Or I picked one today from my volume one deck of what if questions. What if I see myself as the universe sees me and I am pure magic? That could be a great what if question for you. Yeah. And just start talking nicely to yourself, like, honey, I love you. Handsome, you know, this for our, our uh, male desired audience, you know, handsome, you are incredible sweetheart, I love you so much. You know, you, anyone can use whatever accolade they want, but start having beautiful internal conversations with yourself. That goes a long way to developing, developing and maintaining your self-worth. And you do it every day for the rest of your life. You're wonderful. You are marvelous, Marie. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And no, so no, are you. you. Thank you. You're, you're, you're welcome. And I think your future clients are very blessed to have you. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me, Marie. Very much. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a beautiful day. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks, Amy, for joining us from the San Diego San Diego area. And yeah, that's of course. You gotta self-love is all about you, yourself. You gotta stay yeah, up there, it, right? It's a relationship with yourself. And I think mm -hmm. humanity is just kind of terrified of this concept, mostly unconsciously. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because what we're, what we think we're afraid of, like poverty or health issues or loneliness, you know, th things like that. Yeah. We're really not, we're really not afraid of those things. We're like cockroaches. We know how to work, you know, in the challenging and difficult spew of, you know, the sewer, so to speak, but we're terrified of our magnificence, literally terrified of it. It scares the gajibis out of us, but yet we all desire yeah to embrace it and allow it to formulate in our life in a way that um, is delicious. That's right. Yeah. Got to do it. All right. If you'd like more information about Marie, hit up energyintuitive.com. That is the website. So uh, let's uh, stay south and we'll take Juliana, who's calling in from the Bay Area. Hi, Juliana. Hi, guys. 
Hi, Marie. Um, I'm currently working with a naturopath, so I'm off sugar, gluten, dairy, coffee, um, and it's really helped with the inflammation. That's why I went to her in the beginning. Um, but I still have this watermelon-sized ball in my lower abdomen, so I was wondering if you saw anything or if I just have to fall in love with people asking if I'm pregnant and, and just really embrace this. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm so free, you know? So you have swelling in the abdominal area, which sounds large per your description of watermelon, correct? Right, it is. And it, it feels like some something different than swelling. Like it's just a big uh-huh. ball. Um, it's not... Uh, it's not super hard, you know. Yeah, no, it's uh, very fluid base. It's very fluid base. Have you had an I ultrasound? Have. have you had an I ultrasound? Haven't. I haven't yeah, done I, that. I, I just want you to have an ultrasound just to rule things out. I actually think this is related to your lymphatic system. So there's something going on with your lymph nodes and your lymphatic system, which the fourth chakra governs the movement of fluid throughout your lymphatic system. And you're not having efficient movement of the lymph nodes. I think it's great. You're working with the natural path. I think it's wonderful, but it's very fluid uh, retention, you know, and it's, it is, it's not, I don't see an actual sac, but it is almost like it's in a sac. It's really interesting. It, so it looks like, what did you say? I said, it's it, it, even though I don't see like a membrane holding fluid in your abdomen, it is like a sac. Like it's, it's yeah. not like it's moving up your chest or down your legs, it's, it's staying in this lower abdominal area. So I'd love for you to have an ultrasound just to, or whatever modern medicine would recommend. Uh, I would, I would love for you to do that just to check out some things, but this is going to be about your heart chakra. And one of the things you're not good at, and you can disagree with me, right. About anything. You're not great at receiving. You are a doer and a giver. And I think you've reached a pivotal point in your life that if you continue to overgive and overdo, it negatively affects your physical form, your body. And so you need to change the way you perceive the world and yourself and start to realize that you deserve to be loved and cherished and adored and seen and recognized and a whole bunch of things. Does this make sense what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I do, uh, hummingbirds coming through uh, the, my back, right, out the front, yeah. the dollar bills, like uh, um, you guys, Rachel Cohen talked about. And um, I, I I just, I, I'm wondering who to receive from besides just myself, you know, who do I receive this? Like, Which is I, such I, an interesting question. I mean, I, I, I'm interested that you asked the question. So who do you have in your life? Do you have human oh. beings in your life? wonderful people in my life. I've got an incredible loving partner. I've got kids that it's hard to receive. They just take, right? I've got my mom. Um, <laughs> so really good friends. I, I, I want you to start letting people take care of you. And I think it's important that you start setting boundaries and stop over nurturing the people in your life. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you need to set some boundaries sense. with yourself and your, and your new favorite word is no. Okay. Okay. The and and okay, even as we're talking, I'm starting to see the inflammation relax, right? Like start to dissipate. So, and of course you don't have to go get an ultrasound if you don't want to, but I just, I would love to have modern medicine, take a peek. Let's just take a peek and make sure there's not other weird things going on that we need to address and work on setting those boundaries. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Marie. Very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Have a beautiful day. You too. Bye.
Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Juliana, for joining the show. We'll uh, stay down south still. A lot of southern uh, people calling in today. So uh, let's take Cindy calling in from San Diego. Hi, Cindy. Hi. Hi, Cindy. Hi. What can I do for you? Um, I'm a little nervous, so bear with me. Um, I have had a session with you before, and I've been working on not being terrified of my magnificence, <laughs> but uh, it's ongoing. And I've switched out of my corporate co career, uh, and as of July, I'm full-time in my intuitive business, and I've created sort of a new modality, and... I just wanted to see what you see. I think I'm terrified and excited, but I'm curious if you're seeing anything in my energy. Well, I'm very proud of, I, I see the fear, like you're so scared. And, and I don't want you to, don't look at the, as the fear is something telling you to not go in that direction. It's really not saying that. I want you to look at the fear as, as resistance and your job is to walk towards the resistance, always walk towards the resistance. So this is also an indicator that you're on the right track because your ego is trying to scare the gajibis out of you so that you don't move forward in the recognition of your own, you know, multi-universe abilities and awarenesses. So I think you're on the right track. I think you made an excellent decision. I'm giving you the same homework. I gave our first uh, caller working on your self-worth. So for an example, every time I go deeper in, in my ability to love myself, which is a very interesting and highly personal experience, I become more successful. I get more opportunities. I have um, different ideas about even building my business. So, so that it, it does actually play in our work world as well. Also, my family becomes more loving and our relationships become more endearing just from me creating a more authentic, loving relationship with myself. So okay. that's your homework. All right. Any what if questions or anything for me? Yeah. What if I really am as incredible as I'm starting to believe I am? <laughs> okay. All right. That's a good I love one it. for you. <laughs> that's a good, and congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, I, I would, really appreciate it. I would love for you to start saying to yourself throughout the day, um, honey, good job. Congratulations. I'm so proud of you. This is amazing. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate You're welcome. that. Of course. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. See you later. Thank you very much for calling in, Cindy, from San Diego. We'll travel back north up where we are, and we'll have Lisa calling in from Seattle. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the show. Hi, Benny. Hi, Marie. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Of course. What can I do for you? So um, I have a niece who has been fighting um, a rare cancer called uh, like choriocarcinoma. It's very rare. It's gestational. She has a little three-month-old baby boy and two other very young sons under four. And it's wow. moving really fast through her body, right? in her lungs, and in her brain. Or yeah. I just was hoping you could like scan her energy. And I've been sending sure. her Reiki energy and yeah. Yeah, carcinomas can move pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, all cancers have different types and different aggressiveness of it. Um, she's a very strong person. You know that, right? Yes. She's incredibly yes. strong. Uh, I mean, incredibly strong, which is part of her gift, but also part of the reason why she's having this experience is so that she will let she will let people love on her and take care of her and and enjoy her. Uh, and all of that. 
what I would recommend for her, because she's trying to take care of everyone else too during this time. And of course she has young children, so that makes it very challenging, but can she have time in each day where she only focuses on herself, where she learns to only focus on herself, where she learns to be vulnerable with the world so that we can get her anatomy and physiology to turn the page and get these cells to operate in a different way. That's something that's going to be critical for her. And she doesn't know how to do that. She's young. You know, we don't really understand that concept typically in the human realm until we're in our forties. You know, we just don't really stop and go, Oh, wait a minute. What about me? Wait a minute. You know, we don't do well. That's for sure happened to me. I mean, that's definitely something that happens during like the menopause kind of uh, phase that you go through. You just, everything flips. You're, you're, you're like, I was the mother for so long. And then it was like, okay, now it's time to take care of me. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if she could start to do that now, we could begin to see changes in her body. Um, right. I would also, is she going to, she hasn't started chemotherapy or things like that yet. Correct. Well, she has actually there. Mm-hmm. It's in her brain. So there she's getting radiation every day. That's a really big concern for her mother, my sister, um, that she, right. cause you know, that's right. not good for the brain and she's mm-hmm. got low dosage of chemo, but right now her white blood cell count is so low. They had to stop that. Right. Um, they're trying to shrink so, the brain, the, the, um, tumors in her brain because she's had a brain bleed and her left side now is paralyzed from that. Right. Because for some reason she doesn't show up to me as if she's received chemotherapy, which probably means it's not working. Very low right. dose. Yeah. And they've stopped it. It's now. not working. It. Right. It's yeah. not working. The reason why I, I was also bringing it up is it would be nice if, if you could get a hold of, and maybe Benny can look this up, although they don't always take um, people to work on who've had chemotherapy, which I think they should reevaluate that. But it's Dr. Bankston, I believe is the correct name. He wrote the energy cure. And they have people who volunteer, who've been trained to work on individuals who have uh, significant cancers. Um, and so the last time I spoke with him, they were not taking people who had chemotherapy, but he may have changed his tune. As I shared with him that I work on with people who have chemotherapy, um, they do a really cool healing modality called cycling. So if you could look them up and if you need help with that, you can write to energyintuitive.com and we will send you a link. Yeah, it is. Um, Bankston. Bankston. Um, yeah. Bankstonresearch.com. Yeah. Yeah. Bankstonresearch.com. Because mm-hmm. um, they've had really great success. And I do like their cycling technique because we need something to work really fast for your sister. And, and cycling is a very quick technique. In fact, even um, you could listen to his audio book. Uh, it's, it's written too on how to cycle. And you could perhaps start to do that as well for her. Um, okay. but, but I don't think her chemotherapy is working. I truly don't. It's That's not, why it, yeah. I couldn't see it right in her body. It's not working. Right. I wish more and more American hospitals and doctors, oncologists would, and, and maybe yours did, but it's not a standard of care yet where they take tissue samples of cancer, send it off to a lab, use the chemotherapies that are recommended from the American medical association to see if they actually work. And if they don't, right. then they can, unfortunately, it's not a standard care practice like it is in other countries. Um, yeah. it's, it's oncologists know about it, but they rarely talk about it. Not all of them, but unfortunately still a large majority of it. 
Um, they will actually, if a patient requests that, they will um, help in that endeavor, but it, it is an out-of-pocket expense. It's not covered by insurance at where okay. it should be. Um, yeah. Because we, we shouldn't waste time on people putting harsh chemicals in their body if they're not going to actually be effective, right? Is the so, radiation working? Well, gamma knife and radiation, I think it's helping a little bit with her brain, but she has so much swelling. Uh, it could be creating more problems as well. But at this point, because they want those tumors to shrink, I, I do think it's a good idea. I, I do like the radiation aspect that they're using right now. But I think uh, I think the best next thing for her would to uh, is for you to reach out to the banks and people and see what they have to offer and perhaps have the family learn the cycling um, approach. Okay. And I will right. actually put her in my own cycling. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It. And I'm sending you all a, a ton of love. And I want you Thank to just you. love each other in this moment. Just love each other deeply yep. and enjoy each other as much as you can. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Good. Good. I'm so proud much, of you. Marie. Good job. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Yeah, You're thanks, welcome. Thanks, You're welcome. Lisa. Have a beautiful day. Yeah. Thanks, Lisa, for calling in from the Seattle area. We have a couple lines open. Maybe sneak in before the end of the show. Uh, we will take now Annie calling in from Salem, Oregon. Hi, Annie. Hi. Hi, Barry, Benny. This is Annie. And hi, Marie. Hi. I'm hi. I'm a first time caller. Hey. I've never called oh, before. Thank and you. And you're new, to, you're new to me. I'm so thank you. I'm so nervous. I can't tell you. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We're still nervous we'll, we'll too. Take, yeah, we'll take good care of you. We mm -hmm. promise. Oh, thank goodness. Um, anyway, I'm grateful for this opportunity. I would like to request a general reading. Uh, so many questions regarding health and career, but I really would appreciate what the spirit would have to know. I yeah. would have me to know for my best and I have good. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have really lovely energy. Um, you're a very kind person, extremely kind. You do have a massive leak of subatomic particles, you know, my, my, one of my favorite things in the world, at the back of your fourth chakra. So this leak um, makes it difficult for you to receive. It makes it difficult to change things. It makes it difficult to heal because everything requires um, the movement of energy. And when you don't have a lot of energy in your body, it can make it difficult for your body to heal. It can make it difficult to co-create. So um, if you could learn how to receive and receptive, being receptive is not an action item. It's a relaxation where you stop, take a breath, um, allow yourself. If you could imagine that every pore in your body is open and you are creatively experiencing light or warmth moving into all of your pores, not out of your body, but just only in, and you're getting comfortable with receiving, that would be excellent for you. And I think you're going to understand this very quickly. And it's going to make a lot of sense to you because you're going to feel it. You're going to go, oh my gosh, this feels so good. I need to learn to be receptive. Sometimes people who like in your case, leak energy, they're kind of afraid of the world, honestly. <laughs> and, and so they don't allow themselves to be receptive. They're, they're picky about when they are receptive. But we need to learn to be receptive in every moment of our existence, every, because that's where information comes from, knowledge, healing, awareness, consciousness. So that's what I would recommend that you start doing. Thank you. Um, can you tell me, I, I, I think I know, but you can tell, confirm how many spirit guides I have. I had, I I had think, five. Oh, I think you have 17. 
And, and 17, um, when we look at numerology, it comes down to the number eight. And but I see 17 guides, but we're just looking at kind of like the meaning of these guides from like maybe yeah. a, a certain type of perception. And eight is a very lucky uh, number. And so you're actually very lucky. So if you start receiving, your life is going to change rapidly. Okay. Thank you so much, Marie. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thanks very much. And uh, do we have time for one more? Yeah, I'll okay. go ahead and take we'll one more. We'll sneak in yeah. one more. Sure. It's Carol calling in from Georgia. So hi, Carol. Welcome to the show. Snuck right in. Hey. Hey. Hi, Marie. <laughs> hi. How are you, Carol? I'm great. How you doing? I'm great. What can I do for you? Good. I wanted to find out if I can get just like a general or an energy reading. I don't know which you call it, but yeah, uh, just to find out what's, I don't know. I feel all confused and weird your energy is a little bit cray cray right now and and i don't mean that from like a mental you know health issue problem it's just a little bit all over it's not like yeah it's just it's running so fast and kind of chaotically so i'm looking into your auric field and you have these large strands of energy moving too erratically not like in weird directions but up and down it's uncomfortable. It's almost like when someone, like, let's say if it was really Halloween right now and we were all going to go to a spooky house Ooh. and and we knew that it, we're going to get scared, but still we would start <laughs> to feel it in our body as, you know, people jump out. That's actually happening to you right now. I think it's a leftover energy from the eclipse experience that we just had. We just had two uh, eclipse aspects occurring. And um, I think you're rapidly changing significantly so i would take it slow i would take baths i would go get a massage i would step into a, a light sauna if you want to take some yin yoga i don't think there's anything wrong but you're kind of resisting this change that's happening and it's going to happen so you just need to take it slow while your body recalibrates to the changes you've already made that are actually good for you okay so nothing weird happening just too much. I don't think so I that is not what I'm getting at all it's just sometimes when we're shifting our consciousness it can feel like an earthquake <laughs> yeah okay exactly yeah because it's just been like uh it's it's very unusual for me to yes but, but you've had a major shift in consciousness so I would rest 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 while it's being integrated okay all right great Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. I want to go get a massage after talking about that. I know, and right? I just, <laughs> right. I just want to remind everyone I am moving to Strictly Podcast. Uh, it, we're still going to be on radio for a while, still here. Um, it will be on video as well. We will. You can actually leave a voicemail on my website and we will play your question during the podcast and I will answer it. So please go to energyintuitive.com and uh, I have tons of classes happening right now. I'm also going to be at East West Books and Gifts on November 19th. They have a grand opening and I get to be their keynote speaker. So it's between two and 2.45. Just head over to Edmonds. You can go and, and check it out. I'm happy to be there and thrilled to welcome in their brand new bookstore. I, we've missed them. Thank you, Benny and Jen. And thank you to all of our callers. And we're so grateful that Peter Kanovic was able to be um, on the show. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye for now. <laughs> 